We continue our series, God's Story, Our Story, a pursuit of a robust biblical worldview by turning our attention from Abraham and Isaac as we looked at last week to the story of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau. We'll be in Genesis 27 verses 18 through 34. This morning, as we look at that story of Isaac and his two sons, Jacob and Esau, next week we will be looking at the story of Jacob and his encounters with Leah and Rachel, Genesis chapter 29 for next week. But to understand the story of Jacob, we have to understand the context of Genesis. Quickly, review. Part one of Genesis. God creates the world and everything in it. He creates humanity in his image and he blesses it. Part two, Genesis chapter three. All humanity decides that we are better off living our lives as if God does not exist and humanity loses the blessing. And then in chapters four through 11, we see this downward spiral of humanity as they experience the realities of the fall and the reality of sin and death in their life. But then part three, the story of redemption, that God comes to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and says, my plan is not complete. And that there is a different way to live. And God calls Abraham to separate himself from the rest of the world and live according to God. And that God would bless Abraham and all those that follow in his line, not according to their works, but according to the grace of God that Abraham and his descendants were called to respond by faith. And their faith was in the promised child that would come from the line of Abraham that would eventually deliver the one who would crush the head of the serpent. As God promised Adam and Eve in Genesis chapter 3. So that's where we pick up this morning. Abraham answers the call of God that out of your family will come the Messiah through you. All the nations of the world will be blessed. Abraham has eventually the promised son, Isaac, that we read about last week in Genesis chapter 22. Isaac, the promised son, goes on to marry a woman by the name of Rebekah, and they have two sons, Esau and Jacob. Esau is the older son, the one who on the surface, deserves the birthright and blessing. But they have a second son by the name of Jacob. But the prophet of the Lord comes and tells Rebekah that actually the older will serve the younger, that actually Jacob will be the one who rules. Jacob will be the one who has dominion. Jacob will be the one who has the blessing. Isaac's favored son is Esau, the older one. He's hairy and rugged and a man's man who goes out and hunts. And Isaac here in Genesis chapter 27 asks his favored son, the oldest son Esau, go out and kill something and bring it to me to eat. And I will give you the blessing. Rebecca is furious because her favored son is Jacob and she conspires with Jacob to deceive the father. And she says, I want you to dress up 
so that you feel and smell and act like Esau. So she tells Jacob to dress up like the older brother and go in and deceive Isaac so that you might get what I believe belongs to you, the blessing. And that's where we pick up. Genesis chapter 27, verse 18 through 34. This is the very word of God. So he went into his father and said, My father... And he said, Here I am. Who are you, my son? Jacob said to his father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. I have done as you told me, and now sit up and eat my game, so that your soul may bless me. But Isaac said to his son, How is it that you've found it so quickly, my son? He answered, Because the Lord your God granted me success. Then Isaac said to Jacob, Please come near that I might feel you, my son, to know whether you're really my son Esau or not. So Jacob went near to eat Isaac, his father, who felt him and said, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are not the hands of Esau. And he did not recognize him because his hands were hairy like his brother Esau's hands. So he blessed him and said, Are you really my son Esau? And he said, I am. Then he said, bring it near to me that I may eat of my son's game and bless you. So he brought it near to him and he ate and he brought him wine and he drank. And then the father Isaac said to him, come near and kiss me, my son. So he came near and kissed him. And Isaac smelled the smell of his garments and blessed him and said, see the smell of my son is the smell of a field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you the dew of heaven and the fatness of earth and the plenty of wine and grain. Let the people serve you and the nations bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you and blessed be everyone who blesses you. And as soon as Isaac had finished blessing Isaac, when Jacob had scarcely gone out from the presence of Isaac, his father, Esau, his brother, came in from hunting. He prepared delicious food and brought it to his father and said to his father, Let my father arise and eat my son's game, that you might bless me. And his father Isaac said to him, Who are you? And he answered, I'm your son, your firstborn, Esau. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him. Yes. And he indeed shall be blessed. And as soon as Esau heard the words of his father, he cried out with exceedingly great and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. And the grass continues to wither and the flower fades, but the word of our Lord stands forever. Amen. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will never hurt me. So goes the rhyme that most of us learned as children. But that doesn't seem to be the case here in Genesis 27, does it? Actually, words here mean everything. In fact, you might hear Rebecca say this little twist on the rhyme. Sticks and stones will break my bones, but words will crush my very soul. You see, words to the ancients, particularly the ancients living in the ancient Mideast, to them, words and the blessing of the Father was everything. The words of the Father was a make-it-or-break-it moment. 
for the children looking up to the Father. The words of blessing for the ancients was everything. We see the word of blessing in creation. We see the word of blessing removed at the fall. And we see the blessing returned to Abraham and to the people of God that would later make up the nation Israel. Blessing, the word blessing means to have favor and approval. And so to have the blessing of God meant that you would have the blessing and favor of Almighty God. And what we see here in this narrative are two boys who are struggling and fighting to have the favor and approval of their father. These words are not merely symbolic. But if we're all honest with each other, every single person in this room can relate at some level. There has been some moment in your life where you have had words that have either built you up or words that have torn you down. If we're all honest, we know that words are not merely symbolic and they especially were not symbolic here in Genesis 27. Every boy was fighting for the word of blessing to come from their father. A blessing that would shape their identity. A blessing that would transform them into the people that God called them to be. The power of God's blessing. What can we learn about the power of God's blessing through the blessing of Isaac to Jacob this morning? The first thing that we see here in this passage that I want to resonate with each one of us is the need for blessing. Every single one of us in this room, whether we believe it or not or recognize it or not, just like Jacob and Esau, you too have a deep need for the blessing of the Father. A deep need to have favor and approval. And the reality is this. You are restless until you find it. You can't just simply bless yourself. You simply cannot wake up in the morning and say, I bestow upon Rob all blessing and favor. We have been created in such a way that we are longing for someone somewhere to notice us and approve us and give us favor and say that you are uniquely special. We see it here in this passage. Look what happens in verses 18 and 19 of 27. You can see by the way the words are ordered in this passage how deep, how deep it was. This deep need for Jacob to have the blessing. And verses 18 and 19, after Jacob is disguising himself, conspiring with his mom to dress up like Esau to get the blessing, you see what Jacob does. In verse 19, Jacob, in responding to his father's question, who are you? Jacob, in verse 19, follow this, says to the father, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Well, the Hebrew text, whatever the word that comes last, is the emphatic word. So notice, he doesn't say, I'm your firstborn Esau. He says, I'm Esau. Your firstborn. You see, the last word in that sentence is always the emphatic. It's, it's ultimately the reason why 
Jacob comes to Isaac to get the blessing of the firstborn. Because notice in verse 32, when the real Esau shows up, how does he greet his father? He says, his father says to him, who are you? And he says, I'm your son, your firstborn Esau. You see the reversal. Jacob lies to his father and says, I'm Esau, your firstborn. Esau simply says, I'm your firstborn Esau. So you see, even in the way that Jacob speaks to his father, he deceives his father by emphasizing that I am the one who has come to get what I believe belongs to me, the blessing the blessing of the firstborn. You see, to be a firstborn in this culture was everything. To be the firstborn meant that you got the inheritance. To get the blessing of the firstborn meant that the promise would go through you. And Jacob wanted it desperately. To hear his father say that you are approved, to say that you are loved, to say that you are treasured. It was the dream of every boy, and it was certainly the dream of, of Jacob to be the firstborn. Now, before you throw Jacob under the bus, let's have a little empathy for Jacob. Now, can you imagine growing up in a home where your entire life you heard your father doting on the other child? Can you imagine growing up in a home where you spent your entire life hearing about all of the accolades of your brother, all of the, all of the, the ways in which your father just doted and loved and cherished and treasured, not you, but your sibling. So you can begin to understand Jacob hearing his father Isaac only doting on Esau. You can begin to empathize at some level why this meant so much to Jacob. But see, here's the reality. Jacob is the picture of every human being in this room. Because every human being in this room longs to hear these words that you're blessed that you're approved. Every human being longs to hear the words, well done. Every human being longs to receive affirmation and praise. And here's the problem. You and I fall into the same trap of Jacob. What does Jacob do? Longing to hear the blessing of his father, he gets dressed up. And you go, how do I do that? You do it every day. Because you have convinced yourself that the real you can't get the blessing that you long for. So we get dressed up every day. How? We take on a persona that is not ours. We try to be somebody that we are not in an attempt for someone somewhere to cry out and look at us and say, you are loved, you are special, you are blessed. And just as Jacob dressed up as a person that he was not, you and I face the same struggle every day and dress up as a someone that we are not. We even come to church and we get dressed up because God forbid someone might know that we are struggling. God forbid someone might know that we are wrestling. What will they think about my prayer life, my quiet times, my intimacy with God? Am I mature enough of a Christian? And we go through all of the things in our mind. And so we even in church put on a persona because if they saw the real me, I wouldn't be embraced or accepted. 
we have two children at home, Lydia and Preston, and one of the ways we even see this at a young age is we might see them out by the pool. And we'll see Preston and Lydia running around the pool and doing cannonballs and jumping into the pool. And what do they often say? Mom, Dad, watch me. Look at me. Right? And God forbid we don't drop everything and pay attention to them in that moment. Right? Mom and Dad, I can't jump into the pool until you watch and look at me. And we laugh. But you know what? We're just sophisticated little kids running around the pool every day saying, look at me, watch me. Someone out there somewhere recognize me and give me the praise and the affirmation that I desire. There is a deep need that every single one of us has, young and old, for the blessing. Second, and most importantly, how do we receive this blessing? How do you and I receive the blessing that you and I desperately need? For some of you, you're 25. Some of you might be 85. You can't go back and live your life over again. You might be sitting here this morning and say, I can't relive my childhood. I miss the blessing as a, as a child. So therefore, if, if I find myself in that condition, which I, most of us in this room, how in the world do we find the blessing that we crave? Well, the answer is found towards the end of the passage that we read. In verse 32 and 33, this is where we find the solution. Isaac asked the question, who are you? And Esau says, I'm your firstborn, Esau. And then look what happens in verse 33. Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it that hunted game and brought it to me? And I ate it before you came and I have blessed him. What question is Isaac asking? He's saying, who came and received the blessing that doesn't deserve it? Who came and received grace and favor that didn't earn it? Sound familiar? You see, Isaac is asking a very raw and genuine question. And what he's asking reveals the condition of his heart. What Isaac is saying is this. The blessing and the favor and the grace of God only goes to the person who deserves it and earns it. And it says that Isaac shook violently. Who has the audacity to receive the blessing and the favor of God and doesn't deserve it? But then look what happens in verse 33. Same verse, the same breath. Isaac says, yes, and he indeed shall be blessed. Are these two different people? Isaac, on the one hand, is shaking violently. Who dares receive the blessing of God and doesn't deserve it and earn it? And then all of a sudden, Isaac goes, yes, he will be blessed. You see, what is happening there for Isaac is what ultimately needs to happen to every single one of us. That it's in that moment that he surrenders to the grace of God. It's in that moment that he finally 
wakes up to the reality that God does not work according to our methods and plans, that God's ways are higher than our ways, that when we think about those who should be blessed, we in our day think of people just as Isaac thought of people. The people that are blessed are the people that have earned it and deserved it, and God says, no, I have a whole new paradigm. Those that receive my blessing and favor are those that can't earn it and don't deserve it, but it is on the unmerited, unconditional grace of God alone. And it was in that moment that Isaac surrenders to how God bestows his blessing upon his people. It is not those who seemingly deserve it, a la Esau. It is not those who seemingly earn it, Esau. But it is the undeserved. It is those that can never earn it. It is those who are least likely to receive the blessing and favor of God. And Isaac understood in that moment and causes him to do a complete U-turn to understanding how God works. You see, Isaac's entire adult life has been fighting this. Isaac's entire adult life, he knew that the older shall serve the younger. He knew that God wanted Jacob to receive the blessing. But all of Isaac's adult life, he was fighting and resisting the will and the method and the mission and the ministry of God until this moment where God wrestles him down and surrenders to the point where he says, No, God. It is truly by grace and grace alone. You see, the good news of this passage is that God is still at work even in our blunders, even in our faults, even when we look at our life and we say, what a mistake I've made of my life. We see here in Genesis chapter 27 that God still is at work and he will always accomplish his purposes. But you see, the reason why God gives grace and blessing to those that cannot earn it and those that will never deserve it is because he is sending a message to not only Isaac but us today that this is how I will always work. And it's ultimately the message of the gospel. You see, centuries later, the firstborn child of God would come down in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who had the birthright, the one who had the blessing and favor of God. And it would be Jesus Christ himself who would not have his birthright and blessings stolen from him, but that he would willingly submit to the Father and surrender his birthright and his blessing so that on the cross... He would no longer call God his father, but would cry out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You see, the message of the good news of Jesus Christ is this. Jesus Christ 2,000 years ago got dressed up like you and me so that by faith we could get dressed up like him, so that by faith God looks down upon you this morning and he sees his favored son and he sees his favored daughter. He dresses up like us so we can dress up like him. For all of us in this room, there is a gaping hole inside of all of us. And that gaping hole will never be filled until you meet the person of Jesus Christ. And so I want to ask you this morning, do you know him? 
Not just know enough about him to get through a worship service and sing songs and get through this narrative this morning. Do you know him? The one who has come, who surrenders his birthright and blessing so that you and I can forever be called the favored child of God to have the blessing, to close that gaping hole, longing for approval, longing for someone to bless us in Christ. This morning, you can have infinite approval and blessing forever. Let me close with this story. I found it a couple years ago, and I think it might resonate with some of us in the room. This is an older man reflecting on his childhood. He said, I can still picture my dad bouncing me on his knee, coaching me in Little League, showing me how to shine my shoes, helping me reel in my first fish, telling me stories about his early days as an undercover detective on the Dayton police force. I could still hear him saying the words, son, I love you. I can imagine him messing up my hair, wrestling me on the living room floor and sharing a hot dog with me at the Cincinnati Reds game. I can still see him puffing up his chest when he talked about me to his friends. He was proud to be my dad. He would do anything for me. I was his boy. I was a chip off the old block. I can still see all this and much more. But what I can't see is see all of these stories in the reservoir of fond memories. Instead, I recall it from an imagination and yearning that wished then and wishes now that it were all so. My dad left home when I was two. I never really knew him. All of us have a wild imagination. And for some of you in this room, your imagination is running wild to know and to think, is it possible to have the blessing and favor of the Father? And in Jesus Christ this morning, you can. You see, the good news of Jesus Christ is this. Jesus says it himself, that whoever believes in me, God, my Father, gives them the right to be called a child of God. So I want to ask you again, do you believe? Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Because everyone in this room longs to be the apple of someone's eye. And for those that are in Jesus, you are. You can leave here this morning with this being your story. Sticks and stones, they might break my bones, but the blessing and favor of God in Christ will save my very soul.